Hey, this is Angie Lee Monroe of the Warrior Divas Show, broadcasting live each Tuesday, 11 a.m. Central from Globe Life Park in Arlington, Texas. Log in to hear real talk with real women that will empower and equip you to make a more powerful impact in the world. Each Tuesday, 11 a.m. Central on Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in. Hello and welcome to Warrior Divas Real Talk for Real Women. I am your host, Angie Lee Monroe. Our show is specifically, that was right, I said specifically, incorrectly, because I too can mess up from time to time. It is specifically designed for our divas. Divas is an acronym for Destined Inspired Victorious Accountable Sisters. And we will be bringing guests on our show who will help in our mission to equip and empower a global community of women change agents as we make a positive impact in the world we live in. When we started Divas Impact four years ago, we quipped that we wanted to change the way women think and speak about themselves and others. As we've progressed, so has our thinking and out of our intentions. We want to talk about things that are impacting women. So this means we talk about faith, family, fitness, finance, food, and a lot of other words that don't begin with F. So today we welcome Lori Vaughn Speaks of LVS Consulting. Lori Ann Speaks is an expert in the area of speaker and author support. She amplifies the visibility of authors, speakers, and messengers while they do what they love. Speak. Lori Ann has helped spearhead multiple best-selling book campaigns, editing, proofing through to launch, and social media marketing to help authors create buzz and momentum throughout social media platforms and increase their message worldwide. Lori Ann and her team have made it their mission to empower speakers to deliver their message by handling the rest of the details. Prior to starting her own company, Lori Ann had over 15 years of professional experience supporting a top 100 thought leader as she built her businesses. Welcome to the show, Lori Ann. Thanks so much, Angie. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I personally know what a busy, busy lady you are, and you've had some major projects you're working on for some of my friends, and you've done some work for me as well. But before we get into all that, uh, what... I want to visit with you about who you are and how you got here today. Is that all right? That's totally cool. Yeah. Yes. I love that. So if you can just kind of give us a backstory. You you said you worked for a thought leader for 15 years. I'm sure there's things you did before that. Um, I know you're a mom. So you know, what are what are some of the things that kind of led you to where you are today? Well, great. Yeah. Yes, I am no spring chicken. I've probably had four different careers in my lifetime. Um, I started off in my teens and 20s being so politically involved and um, got my degrees in political science and economics and wanted to be in politics. Um, thank goodness and thank God up above that he had other plans for me, and I am not there now. So... <laughs> um, I, I did that, and then I became a recruiter, and um, when, uh, the, when 9-11 happened, my recruiting business went to heck in a handbasket, so um, I started working for this thought leader, and I was her 
for all intents and purposes, Girl Friday, office manager, um, you know, gatekeeper. And um, I spent 15 years learning the business of speakers and authors. And so, um, but really, uh, once I had children, my focus, you know, I, like I said, I started off wanting to be like president of the United States, you know, the first woman president <laughs> of the United States. Then I had children and I realized, oh, this is, this is what I'm good at. This is what I love. And so when you talk about where was I and how have I gotten here, um, once I had children, the business kind of went as a, a means to an end instead of being, you know, the end all and be all. And being a mom was the number one thing in my life. And, um, and so, you know, I did, I, I worked a, a regular job so I could be mom and Girl Scout leader and room mom and, and be able to do all the things that I wanted to do as a mom. I love and, that. Um, sorry? I said, I love that. Yeah. You know, and I, and I wouldn't have traded it for the world, you know, um, I'm kind of glad that I never really got into the whole corporate America thing, but, um, where, what got me now to owning my own company though, is that, um, back in December of 2017, I was laid off. My boss decided to sell her company and I knew it was coming, but, um, but I decided I was just going to stay until the end because she needed me. And, and, and so, um, and I knew there wasn't going to be much difference between hitting the, the, you know, employment market at 59 or at 60. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty much, um, you know, not going to be doing well. And I, and I just sat there and I went, okay, let's just see this through to the end. And um, once I was laid off, it became very clear to me that once again, corporate America wasn't going to be my, you know, my journey. Um, I must have sent out a hundred different resumes and never got a call, never got a call. And um, so I knew if I was going to continue to work, I better start my own company. And I did. And I'm so glad I did. So glad I did. Well, I love the part that you said, you know, you saw the writing on the wall. You saw she was retiring, stepping away, and, and but you stayed until the end. I think there's so much that's lost in that finishing well moment. Mm -hmm. You know, you, yes. you worked with this woman side by side. You served her. You served her well over the 15 years, but you also finished well with her. And And that's got to be a sense of accomplishment that many people miss out on today. A lot of people see the writing on the wall and they're like, I'm getting out while the getting out's good. <laughs> but right. But it's finishing well. That that right there is a good wealth of information um for people to grab a hold of because we've we've been in a couple of situations when we've been with a church that was closing its doors or a company that's closing its doors. And that finishing well it feels like kind of like you put your kid to bed at night you know you kind mm -hmm. of you kind of made sure that from the time they rose till the time they went to bed everything was taken care of and and they were they were handled in the best way possible and uh it's the closing of a chapter and and celebration of that chapter as well exactly and and 
And, you know, um, it's a karma thing as well. Um, and, and it was important to support her through this process because it wasn't necessarily something she was all that jazzed to do, but knew that she needed to just get out from under the actual company aspect and just go back to being Bev and, you know, and enjoying her life with her husband of 44 years. So, um, so I was supportive and that's kind of the way I am with my clients now. And it is a karma thing because um, Bev has probably introduced me and referred me to at least 15, 20 of her friends wow. over the last two and a half years. So um, it's, it, I think you get what you give, right? I think that's really the way life boils down is yet you get what you give. So I, I agree be wholeheartedly. Be yeah. good. Yeah. Well, one of the things that um, we've talked about whenever you and I have been on the phone before was that you kind of use that nurturing that you used with your children, with with your thought leader that you supported, with all the with all the pe companies you've been with. You've used that nurturing aspect of yourself. It's it's not a um, part of your DNA. It is your whole DNA. That's that's the part that I I love about you is you you Aww. see the potential and the possibilities in in people, and you want to call that out and you want to help support that and and push push them and challenge them. But you do it in a way that is very impactful and I want to commend you for that while I have you on the air because you don't get to tell people that very often where they actually slow down and listen to you say it <laughs> well thank you thank you I have really uh, you know when I started the company I wouldn't say it was, uh, that I was passionate about what I was doing until I really realized how much mentoring was involved because I was now working with a lot of what I call newbies Right. right. And I love mentoring. That's that's what I'm all about. And once I embraced that and realized this is what I can be doing for so many people, that's when I got passionate about what I was doing. Well, I think one of the other remarks that comes to mind is um, something that Michael Hyatt has said before, you know, people go out and I'm going to have you share a little more specifically about the business you started here in a minute, but Michael Hyatt commented one time and I've, I've kind of hung my hat on it is don't go out and look for people to help you get where you're going that haven't been there. You go and you look for people to help you get where you're going that have already been there, whether it's an assistant, a coach, a mentor, whatever it is. A lot of times people go, okay, well, I can't afford a virtual assistant, a, a high-paying virtual assistant, so I'm just going to get some little girl off the street, help her, have her help her out, help me out. You know, it's a help each other out type of Jerry Maguire moment, help me show you the money type thing. But they, they're not equipped. They they haven't been where you're wanting to go. And Michael Hyatt says, if you want to be a Fortune 500 company, you need a coach that has been a leader in the Fortune 500 ind industry. If you want to, or you need an administrative assistant that has served as a role in a Fortune 500 company. You need a a support system that has been where you want to go. And 
And I think that's beautiful because you said you work with speakers and authors and, and messengers. And, and those are the people that you've already served and served in a high capacity. And so you can serve your clients so much better because you've already been there, done that, seen that. You know what to expect even before they expect it. You know how to talk them off the roof, <laughs> all of that. So, so yeah, tell yeah. us, tell us a little bit more about the company you started, what you do, and um, and what type of company it is. Well, we are a virtual assistance company, but we literally specialize in speakers, authors, and podcasters. So those are our clients. Um, although many of the the things that I talk about um, and have like um, a a white paper on how to increase your speaking business. If you've got a small business that you need to raise your visibility, a lot of the things that are on that list um, can be used for small business as well. But what we do is we help the speakers and authors raise their presence in social media, help them write that book and get it to bestseller status, um, help them find more stages, and, and, and for those that are very much established and they've gotten to the point where they're on the stages, but they just don't have the time to deal with all the, you know, logistics and administrative stuff. Right. <laughs> I was going to say a dirty word, but <laughs> I won't. Um, you know, to, to deal with all that, we take that off their plate and we'll handle the, the, the business side of it and make sure that all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted so that they can go out on the road, do their speeches, and know everything's being taken care of. Well, and I, I think it's, you know, one of those things that when people say, all right, I've spoken at all these places, I want to have my own event. I don't think mm -hmm. they understand fully what all that entails, but you've put those <laughs> on for people before, so... You know, having somebody like you, quote unquote, in their back pocket is is a huge benefit, I'm sure. Well, yeah, there is a lot involved. And um, and just knowing how to negotiate with the the venue is important because and, and finding the right venue for you and your budget. So, um, yeah, I've been involved in in all that but yes there's a lot of little pieces and i find that the creatives which is the community that i serve have some amazing great ideas but they <laughs> don't know how to bring that to fruition and that's why i come in i'm sort of their yin to their yang you know um i will reverse engineer their idea to figure out how to get there I, I used an analogy explaining what you do the other day to somebody. I said, when you have that picture-perfect image of what you want, she's the puzzle maker out of it. She comes in, she takes the pieces apart, and puts it in a way that you can put your pieces together as you need. Whether you're an inside to the outside or an outside to the inside person, she helps put that picture together for you. So she takes your full picture, she breaks it down into bite-sized pieces so you can put it together the way you need to put it together. And they're like, oh, okay. You know, they're like, because I can't see how to get where I'm going from looking at the big picture. I'm like, that's why you need someone with a strategy mindset, which is what you have. You And it yeah. comes so natural to you. You don't get ruffled whenever 
one thing's not going right because you're already expecting it to not go right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully I've planned it out properly and nothing does go wrong. But, you know, um, life happens and and things do uh, go wrong. And as I tell my clients, no one in the audience knows that something went wrong. Exactly. It's like um, when you get married and you know something will go wrong, but nobody will really even notice it. (laughs) So just go with the flow, have a great day, do your message, and we'll make sure that everything runs smoothly. So, um, you know, that's, uh, and I'm pretty even keeled. I don't, um, I don't have extreme highs or lows, so, so um, I can keep it together and, and make sure everything works, you know, well, even in a, in a kind of, you know, emergency situation (laughs) what is that old commercial never let them see you sweat yeah Yeah, those are the people you want in your (laughs) corner is the ones that never let you see let let them see you sweat so i know uh yesterday i got a notification i have a large organization that i'm a part of and we have two annual or two meetings a year that we do training for new um new people that have joined our organization and we have people come from all around the world and they ended up after some major thought and listening to research and listening to the guests and everything, they decided to postpone this one and Mm -hmm. just resume in August. And, you know, there's, there's definitely some, some challenges when you have a big event. I mean, we're expecting 3000 people coming and we're, now postponing this event that's supposed to happen in two weeks. And, wow. and so one of the things that I realized and a lot of people don't is how many, how this affects a trickle effect across so many parts. Like I heard today, you know, on the news, they were talking about, well, the event will be fine because the event has insurance. And that's true. The event has an insurance has an insurance policy most events have insurance policies and if you're doing an event without an insurance policy shame on you (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um most events have insurance policies but the the hotel that it was being held at the servers that were there the um, transportation to and from the airport the airport so you know we're dealing right now in this time and age with this thing called the coronavirus and I've got a friend that's in Italy that owns a bed and breakfast who's totally impacted by this because she's in the where all the um, study abroad students are at so although all of them have been sent home and so the parents aren't coming to visit the kids the kids aren't there there's a lot that's Mm -hmm. going on and if I were an event organizer even though I knew I had insurance I think I'd be freaking out right now. Do you have anybody that you're hearing that about? Well, I mean, just there in Texas, I know that South by Southwest was canceled. Yes. And I mean, and that's millions and millions of dollars to the local, you know, economy. Right. Lost. So, yes, this is this is definitely causing some major troubles. Um, The. You know, the things that the conferences that I know of right now that are in our industry are still happening uh, because they tend to be U.S. centric. Right. Um, So those are still going on. 
But yeah, um, I'm also a member of the Meeting Planners International, so I know it's hitting big time to a lot of people. And um, damn, I wish I had Zoom stock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Boy, <laughs> Zoom is doing magnificently over these last couple of weeks, right? Because companies are just making them now virtual meetings, right. um, and so you know things can we can we can switch things around. And, and as I said, you know, if something goes wrong, we'll fix it. You know, if something like this happens and we can't have a live event, so let's have a, a virtual event. We can do it. Well, and, and that's part of what we've been talking about here lately is uh, bringing in some people and doing virtual summits with people because mm-hmm. we can get their messages out. We can band together stronger. You know, part of what we do is to give us is help promote and 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 empower other women and doing a virtual summit and and people are like but I want to be in a room with a bunch of girlfriends I'm like right now you don't (laughs) (laughs) or or invite your closest friends over to your house to watch the summit together you know there's a lot of different ways that we can think through this and do this a little bit better but I know I sprung that question on you and it wasn't one that we had talked about discussing but I figured it was right there in the middle of what we're doing right now and you know, it needed to be addressed. Um, I heard somebody the other day telling me that they were doing an event and they had like a thousand tickets sold. It was an outdoor event in April here in Texas. And I was like, okay, so, you know, what's your, what, uh, what insurance agent did you use for your event planning? Because I know a few that are, in that industry he goes I don't have event insurance I'm like you what (laughs) (laughs) you're talking tornado season you're talking rainy season you're talking you just you chose the month in Texas that you just don't do that without an insurance policy (laughs) and he was like what I had no idea so had him on the phone with an insurance agent ASAP you know <laughs> oh lord better See, be now, prepared aren't you glad you were there for him <laughs> yes yeah, I'm coming I'm coming in for Donnie's event in April as well yeah so I'll be I'll be there in Texas yeah um in in April and that's so. in my neighboring town so I will be there as well so excited cool. about that so um now, you said that you worked with, it was Bev, right? The thought leader you worked with? Yeah, Beverly Kay. She, she, Beverly Kay, she's amazing um, in the area of career development, employee engagement, and retention. And her books, which, okay, so I don't know if you know the statistics, but most business books, the average sales are like 6,000 over the period of their lifespan. Um, Bev's Love Them or Lose Them has sold over a million copies. Wow. Yeah. And what we do did is um, that from her books, there were workshops created that were then sold to Fortune 1000 companies. So we only worked with companies of 10,000 or more employees. Wow. But, yeah, yeah. So um, it, was a, it was a nice niche, um, you know, but as you know, Anytime you have a company and people that you are now responsible for, it's a headache. And at 75, she said, okay, I'm kind of done with that whole aspect. She still speaks, but there was just no need for a full-time in-person anymore. So, so, and I totally understood that. And I kept telling her because she was, she was feeling very upset that, you know, 
she was going to let me go. And I said, Bev, you do not owe me a job. <laughs> you know, it's okay. It's okay. Right. And I'm so glad that it was so positive because, as I said, she has referred me to a number of different people that I work with now. And, um, and I'm having much more fun because instead of one author that I knew inside and out and all her, you know, her, her, her speak, so to speak. Right. <laughs> um, you know, so it did get kind of boring. You know, work can get can be boring if you're not totally engaged. Well, now I get to work with so many different authors that I learn from each one, and it's something different each day. So I am enjoying this fourth chapter, fifth <laughs> chapter in my life. So, um, you know, I mean, how many women at 62 can say, hey, I am enjoying the heck out of working? Well, I think it's great, you know, how you speak above and how she – she you know cared for you it it's evident that she inspired you as well who are some of the other women that have been in your life that have inspired you well you know um in my actual life i mean my mom was amazing and um just really stoic so i think i get my even keel from her um every client i have um, and I'd say probably 90% of my clients are women. Um, every client I have really does, um, you know, inspire me because I love each of their messages and they're important. And so they inspire me to want to get them, you know, more and more visibility because what they're talking about is important. Um, if we're talking about, you know, like someone that's famous, my my role model, and don't laugh at me, okay? <laughs> my role model is actually Dolly Parton. Oh, wow. I love that woman. Not only is she self-deprecating, I mean, she's not full of herself, right? Right. She's self-deprecating. She is one of the most brilliant businesswomen. She has, um, she has a, a music um, book of over three, 4,000 songs that other people have sung. Um, so, I mean, she's rolling in it, but she is also giving back like, like no other. Do you realize that Dolly Parton is like the number one book distributor in the world? Uh -huh. Because she makes sure that every child that, that writes to her will get a book every month from date of birth to the age of five when they enter school. Wow. I I had just recently heard about her love for books and what she was doing, she, but I did not know that little tidbit. I believe I believe the statistics are that she has given away over a billion books. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I hear those stories and you know, I am small potatoes. Uh, but I hear those stories and I just think, oh, wow, Lord, can I just win the lottery and just have fun giving it away? Because that would just, uh, to me, that would make me happy. Right. That would make me happy. Right. So yeah. I just I just totally love Dolly Parton. I'm in love with Dolly Parton. Well, you and my husband. So <laughs> <laughs> my husband has said that is one concert he wants to go to. He wants to see. He is super in love with Dolly Parton, you know, and, and we're 
you know, we're still in our 40s. And he's like, I don't know what it is. She's just, she's so, so engaging and so real and doesn't take herself too seriously, you know. Exactly. Exactly. And so giving. And um, I have never heard word one that's negative about Dolly Parton from anybody. And damn, if I could look like that and still wear those heels at (laughs) 80. I think she's close to 80. You know, and yeah. I just sit there and I go, holy moly, right. girl, you look great. Right. And, you know, we've been watching, we watched that Heartstrings that she had on Netflix not too long ago. And we have watched a couple of specials that she's had on. And, and I guess the part that I appreciate is in a world where we're faced with so many fake people or people faking it till they make it. She is just real and genuine and authentic and makes you feel, e- even through the TV, like you're her best friend right there in the room yeah. with her. Yeah. Exactly. So. And she'll tell you a lot of her is fake. <laughs> right. Yeah. She'll say a lot of your, a lot of me is fake, but my heart isn't, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, so yes. I know, I know I'm one of the people that you've inspired. So tell me about some of the people that um, you hope to inspire. And, you know, what what would you like your legacy to be, you know, years from now, whenever people think of you, you know, a year, five, ten, however many years from now, when they think of you, what is what are some things you want them to to say or you hope that they have felt from you? Well, on a personal basis, you know, that I was a great mom and, and Grammy and, um, and, a good, and a great friend, you know. Um, I, I hope that people see me as, you know, being giving and, and, and there to help whenever is necessary. But on a business level, I would love people to realize it's never too late to go out and start your own company. Um, you know, when they when they started saying, you know, retire at 60 or 65, we were only living till 67 or 68, right? right? Well, my mom is 91 years old. Wow. I had no intention of sitting on my tush <laughs> for the next 30 years, you know? I mean, the thought is just repulsive. I need to be out and about and doing stuff. So I'd really love to inspire people to say, you know what, I have this amazing idea and I'm going to start a company because you don't have to go into hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. I went into no debt, no debt. I literally started my company in my home office with a laptop and my telephone. (laughs) That's it, right? I didn't even have a printer when I started. I do now, but, you know, (laughs) it's like you can start with, with being something really small. With this gig economy the way that it is, you can you can do a project-by-project project type basis, do a good job, get a referral, right, and just build it that way. Right now, I would say 95% of my business comes from referrals. So, you know, um, I don't have to go into hundreds of thousands of dollars of marketing and all that fun stuff, um, seeing as though it's really not my thing to be in front of the camera, but I'm, I will say I do love doing the podcasts and radio shows. <laughs> I always say I have a face for radio, but, um, but you know, I, I'd like to just 
let people know, don't just because you're over 60 does not mean we need to, you know, crawl into a ball and say we're done. We well, still have another good chapter or two in our in our book. Well, and we it's whether you start a business, whether you start a nonprofit, whether you just start a group of friends that are hanging out together, get out and do stuff with people, engage with people, pay it forward, go to the schools and read to the little kids. You know, there's so much that we could be doing. Um, my husband's been working in the plumbing industry for 30 years. His body's starting to give out. So he's starting to think about what are some ways he can reinvent himself. Cool. <gasps> so let's, um, let's ask you this out of the people that you're working with now, how mm -hmm. have they inspired you to grow your business or shift your business? We talked a little bit about the niche market of what Bev had, you know, right. I know being a vert, you can say I'm a virtual assistant and everybody wants to go, okay, here's billing. Here's this, here's that. And yeah, but you said very specifically who you work with. Did Bev mm -hmm. help you do that? Or the clients that you started drawing in because of your personality and, and what you were good at? Well, I knew that my niche was the speaking, you know, author industry because that's where my superpowers lie and that's what I know. Um, so I knew that that was my niche. Um, I didn't know really that much about podcasting, but realized that that is the media of the future and is growing leaps and bounds. And so I embraced that whole you know, community and what an amazing community the podcasting world is. Um, but my, my offerings have changed. When I first started, I thought it was going to be the administrative, you know, all administrative kind of work. And I found that that's not necessarily what, especially new authors, were looking for. Um, now, I'm not a booking agent. I don't go and find, you know, um, paid speaking gigs as, as the only thing that I do. And if that's all that they want, I am now referring people to um, a couple of booking agents that I like. Right. Um, but, but my offerings have kind of changed. And what I've realized is that there are a great number of people who have been in corporate America for 20 or 25 years who have a story and or a uh, method of doing something that they want to now go into consulting and be a speaker um, and write their own book. And so I've found that my mentoring in that area is really where I'm um, moving towards. I have other women, and that's actually another aspect of what's important to me is I hire other women who have been marginalized such as myself, um, who at 60 have amazing skill sets still to offer my clients. And yet I also have a number of young moms who don't necessarily want to work a 40-hour week because they want to be stay-at-home moms. But especially here in Los Angeles, you need that extra income to make ends meet. Um, so that I have a number of uh, young moms that helped me with the research and data entry and things along that line that honestly, I don't want to do anymore. Right. 
but it gives them an income to help their family out. So that's, that's like my back-end mission uh, within the company for who I hire and why. Um, I, like, I, I really try to take on those people that, quote-unquote, aren't hireable because they're not willing to put in the 80 hours of corporate you know, work that's necessary, that kind of thing. So, um, so that's kind of what I'm about. Well, and I think it goes hand in hand with a lot of what I'm seeing in the women's marketplace for working nowadays. Uh, there's the R Riveter that makes the purses. It's the military spouses that make the purses. And they know that military spouses get transported all the time. They get PCS right. and moved. And it's hard to find a job. And then because your spouse may be deployed, you've got to have a job that will be flexible with you being mom and dad to your kids while, while your spouse is deployed. So they have a business model that they have components of their purses are put together and made by these mill spouses. And then they come back to the yeah. warehouse to be put together. And so, the, and there's, um, an virtual, another virtual assistant company out there that, that, engages male spouses to to work for them as well and then you've got um more and more i mean even even our government here is, and partly because of the coronavirus has been testing out more and more people working from home doing it remotely and mm -hmm. and so we got to stop thinking about you know butts and seats in the office and start thinking about how we can still be productive and make an impact for what we need to do. There are jobs out there. There are a lot of scam jobs out there being marketed right now, but there are jobs yeah. and there's ways to serve people and there's a way to serve your own bottom line. Um, if you're just willing to look for it. I know when we started um, my company uh, several years ago, I started doing social media for companies and I, uh, worked with nonprofits and, and businesses and everything. But then whenever I um, got tired of doing the social media stuff, <laughs> I, I'll say mm -hmm. I, you, you kind of evolve. You start working you on do. what you what you really love and you, you kind of evolve and you start realizing that that part, while it was fun and it brought in money, it's not where you want to hang your hat now because you've grown, you've evolved. And so I brought in another mom that had just had a baby. She kind of wanted to stay home with him for a while, got her trained up, and then she kept getting more and more training and she rolled out into her own business. And oh, great. And even from there, she's now her child's in school and she's gone on to work for a corporate company and this is what she's doing it wasn't something that she went to school for she took four years of college for did all this she had real hands-on ojt to learn this <laughs> skill test it be able to show what all she was able to accomplish on her own and she never worked in an office she was home for her kids she worked everything around her kids schedule you know there were a few times she'd be on a conference call video call whatever and in the background her son's you know coloring the wall with a marker or pouring <laughs> cereal places that happens but, <laughs> yeah, but she I was mean, I there think, I think you need to be realistic about whether you're capable of being a virtual person right um some aren't that great 
at staying <laughs> on task. If, if you're the kind of, you know, squirrel kind of person, um, that might not be the way to go. Believe it or not, I was actually a virtual employee back in 1991. Wow. Before there was such a thing. Because I had been a recruiter and um, got married, had my kids, and decided I wanted to stay at home. And, um, and my boss tracked me down after like 10 years <laughs> and tracked me down and said, I, I've just started this new company. I really want you to come on board. And I said, well, okay, as long as I can do it from home. And he knew what I was capable of and said, okay. Right. And I owe him so much because I was able to help support my family and yet still could be the room mom, the Girl Scout leader and everything else like that. So it, um, you know, through the years, um, I understand and I know that I have the capability to stay totally focused and on task and, you know, not go down and turn on the TV or anything along that lines. It's like I am at work and then I'm not. Right. Although I'm not as good as the and not than I am. <laughs> I, I, I literally last night I, I got up and I um, did some, some tweets and stuff for a client um, at like 9.30 at night so that, <laughs> so that I could get it all loaded up and, right. and, you know, make her happy. So, you know, it's like I'm not that great at not staying at work. But, um, but I'm working on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm working I, on that. I, I totally get it. My husband, you know, owning a plumbing business, it's a 24-7 on-call for commercial emergencies. He, he works a lot. So when he works, I try and work. And, oh, that's smart. And that way when he's not working, we can actually go to dinner. We can go and do some of these other things. So I have set working hours during the day that I take phone calls and do appointments. But if he's working outside of those normal working hours, I'll work so that maybe I don't have to have those, you know, if I've got free time with him, I can go to breakfast or I can go to lunch or dinner or we can go exactly. shopping for the kids. So my, my schedule looks a little hinky at times <laughs> because <laughs> it's not the norm of what everybody else sees. But you know, it's it's also something that works for us, and mm -hmm. it's it's this is when we're we're connected with people. This is when we're working with people. I had somebody message me last week. Hey, can we get on a call today? I'm like, nope, you know, <laughs> not today. <laughs> you know, as, as I say, not today, Satan. Um, but you know, yes, we can get on a call. It just won't be today. It may be next week, end of next week, before I can get on a call with you, and that's because. I'm trying to be diligent of my time and not just block out the time for appointments and calls with people, but also block out the time to work on the projects and work on the tasks. And I think that's part of the discipline you're talking about of having the right mindset to do the job. You know, um, exactly. I know I'm being pushed and challenged on writing and I've blocked out my writing time for my books and, and I'm working on that and, it's set up as an appointment. It's an appointment with myself and my laptop, and that's where I will be. <laughs> you know, there so, you go. So there no, you go. Exactly. no temptations. So um, 
we're about to take a break here in a couple of minutes and when we do uh it'll just be a quick short break but when we come back we're going to talk about um some of the victories you've had we've kind of, we may have touched on some of them but we know that there's women that are challenged with what life's facing them or what they're facing in life right now or maybe they faced it years ago and they just haven't been able to get past something that keeps holding them back and mm-hmm. um we like to hear those stories of victory from women that have kind of weathered the storms and come out on the other side, um, just as a way to shine a spotlight into those dark spaces and, and let them know that we see them there. And, you know, I may not be able to reach out to somebody and help them out of the dark space they're in, but maybe you have the key that can unlock that dark space. So we're going to talk about that when we come back from this break. All right, we are back with Lori Ann Speaks as we are talking more about her starting a business at the age of 60. We'll throw that out there. I hate telling women's age on the air, but I love the story behind it. So um, that's that in it itself, you know, people start talking about wanting to wind their business down at the age of 40 or 50 or 60 and you're revving up so to (laughs) me that sounds like a huge victory but what are some other victories you've had in your life personally professionally you know what are some of the I don't I don't want to assume that you just arrived and everything was perfect oh gosh no (laughs) (laughs) well you know it's interesting because um Angie you know I'm a big girl and um and so, you know, life, life in Los Angeles where everyone is a, thinks they need to be a Barbie, I <laughs> never really quite fit in. But, um, and so, hold on a second. I'm losing you. Are you, is everything yes. okay? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. It filtered on me. I so apologize. <laughs> but um, maybe it was God saying, quit talking about being fat, Lorianne. But, um <laughs> But, you know, I mean, that was a hard road. And I had some some major situations of being picked on. Um, and I'll be honest with you, it took me until I was 50 to embrace the fact that this is the size that I am. This is the size that I am going to be. And um, I'm not going to change for anyone else. And I, if I could teach the girls out there to love themselves, um, you know, so that they don't go through all the trials and tribulations of not thinking you're good enough um, because you're big is so, so important to me to get that message out. Love yourself the way that you are, and, and you'll find out that people will gravitate towards you because you become much more sure of yourself and confident. And uh, unfortunately, like I said, it took me till my 50s before I said, ah, I'm done with this. You know, this is me. Get over it. Um, so, you know, that was that was part of my growing up and, and maturing. Um, and, you know, I guess another victory over the stuff when when bad things happen. Um, you know, I went through a divorce and. um and, and I still have yet to, to remarry. I mean, you know, there have been a couple of really nice men in my life. But I, um, I realized 
and and here's something that I could do it myself that I didn't need a man to um, give me my worth or to take care of me financially. I was capable of doing it myself. Now, that doesn't mean that I wouldn't love to have a partner in life, but I realized I didn't need it. So I wasn't going to settle, right, Right. for someone that wasn't right for me. And um, I think too many of us women, you know, think that we have to have that man in our life. And and I say, no, embrace, embrace your powers yourself, um, uh, especially if it's a if it's a not a healthy relationship. So I guess those are really I kind of have had a graced life, to be very <laughs> honest with you. I, I mean, <laughs> I've been very lucky. So, um, you know, uh, so and I'm the type of person that I have always looked at the glass half full and I focus on the positive. And so that's what's really important. Um, when I went through the divorce, my reaction was, okay, um, I don't want someone that doesn't want to be with me, right. so go. It's okay. My, I have friends that to this day still can't stand my ex-husband. <laughs> <laughs> I let it go ages ago, right. ages ago. Let it go. Um, if I can fix something, I fix it. I, I kind of tease sometimes. I say I'm a guy with boobs because <laughs> I am that type of person that if I, I want to fix it for you. I'm, I'm, I'm not one that just wants to listen and go, oh, okay, I hear you. No, I want to fix it. Right. right. I'm so much more like a guy in that way. Um, but if I can't fix it, I let it go. And I won't. I won't sit there and, and, you know, let it fester in my life if there's nothing I can do about it. If I don't have control, I let it go and I put it in God's hands. It's all good. Well, I think I think you touched on something there. You know, your your divorce, there may be people that are more devastated for you than you were actually devastated in the divorce. And a few years ago, I was doing a training down in San Antonio and we were having people do a life map. And on this life map... We had them put everything that was positive in their life above a line, write it on this big poster board. Everything that they had encountered negatively in their life, they wrote below the line. And there were two women at the same table, and they both had divorce on theirs. One had it above the line. One had it (laughs) below the line. The one that had it above the line said she had been set free from a very toxic relationship. The one the below the line was just totally devastated that her marriage had ended and basically her life had stalled out from that point in her life mm-hmm. and she just wasn't living. And so it was beautiful watching that one that the divorce was freeing for her to be able to speak life and freedom into this other woman. And, yeah. you know, it their their experiences in the moment were very different, but the the ability to help that one that was stuck in the darkness come out of it was so beautiful to watch and they spent weeks and months talking with each other and encouraging each other and empowering each other um through that it was more one-sided for a while but then after that while 
they they became really good friends and started doing some workshops for women that were going through divorce and it said it and their work their theme was it doesn't matter how you're viewing your divorce this workshop is for women to help you move on to the next chapter you know and it was it was a great thing that they did and and i don't know that they do those workshops anymore but it was it was two polar opposite views of how one in one thing can impact a person and exactly you know i know i've had this conversation with another friend of mine when i had my sexual assault she had a sexual assault as well well our reactions were two totally different reactions to it you know and and but it doesn't mean that we can't help somebody. I can help somebody that had the opposite reaction I had. She can help somebody that had the opposite reaction she had. As we talk about it and open it up and peel back the layers of, of what it all is. But it goes back to more of what you, you shared about loving yourself. You know, you have yeah. to do that first. Well, you know, there's this great gal, Allison Donahue, who is um, a podcaster um, uh, her with domino thinking, and she is all about taking yourself out of a victim state and into a freedom state. And part of that is just, you know, letting it go and understanding what your part in the situation was. Um, you know, I mean, when I went through the divorce, I mean, he cheated <laughs> right. to get out. Um, you know, um, but. You know, it was his fault, right? Right. But, no, there, there, you know, there were things that after 15 years of marriage, you know, life got, um, you know, we were all wrapped up in, I was wrapped up in the kids, the kids with the kids. And, and so, you know, I didn't probably give him the attention that he wanted. I will own that part. Right. Not that it was not his, his doing, Right. But I will own that part that maybe I wasn't being the best wife either. And so so I loved her framing of being able to get out of the victim state and into the freedom state because of the fact you can see where you own it and then let it go. Right. Right. And that's what we need to do is you need to just let it go. Let it go and move on. And I know that it's easier said than done. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, and, and depending, especially depending on the situation, uh, you know, uh, an assault is, is completely different than a divorce, although it is and it isn't, if you think about it. Right. Because you can still be a victim either way. Right. But, but it's like, move, you got to let it go and move on because otherwise they're still having that control over you. Well, you, you know, know, I, we, when I left working at, um, the church I was at before I started my business, we had this, I worked in the business office. We had this um, thing that used to happen where there was stuff that was bought for our offices and they were bought specifically for our style or our look or or whatever the decor person that came in that decorated our offices, decorated it towards our style. So when we left, we had we normally had the option to ask to purchase or, you know, because they would be redecorating it for the next person. Uh-huh. So um, 
I went and I specifically asked for the chair that I had. It's kind of like the chair I'm sitting in today, kind of an Arion type chair. And it was very ergonomically correct. And I'd had the chair for five years. It was kind of it had some issues with it, but it was molded to my butt, you know, <laughs> let's just be honest. I liked the, I liked that chair. And my boss, I went to him and asked him if I could have the chair. And he goes, well, as long as so-and-so approves it, I have no problem with it. So it's getting close to the day that I'm leaving the company and everything. And he comes back to me, he goes, if you're going to get that chair, I need, you know, we're getting your final paycheck and all that stuff lined out. I need to know what price you were told on it from, you know, whatever the facilities department was and da da da. I said, I was told no. And the look on my boss's face, because it was his boss that told me no, the look on my boss's face was just pure shock. Because in the five years I'd been there, nobody had told me no before. And he just oh. looked at me and started and he goes, No, seriously. I'm like, I'm I'm serious. Todd told me no. He's like, no, he didn't. Todd's never told you no. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> and and for me, it was kind of like, all right, now I have a right to be offended because even even Josh thinks it's wrong that I'm offended that that Todd told me no. <laughs> that he said no. And you know, it 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 wasn't a big offense. I'm using this kind of tongue in cheek because it's a funny story. I mean, Todd even came to me one day. I'm training my replacement, and I've got her staying there. And Todd comes running down the hall with his phone, and he's got the old Groucho Marx song. It doesn't matter what you say, how you phrase it, anyway. I'm against yeah. it. <laughs> and he's playing that, and I'm like, Pastor Todd please meet my replacement. You know, I'm introducing him as he's trash talking me. Yeah. It was a great moment. But this, this business administrator was kind of taking up an offense for me. And I'm like, I don't know what the deal is. I'm not offended. It just shocked me. And, and in that moment, I went from dealing with my own shock to now I'm dealing with his feelings about this. And, you know, a lot of times when we tell somebody we're getting a divorce or we've been fired or, you know, we've been assaulted or whatever the tragic moment that comes up, we don't even get a chance to deal with our own emotions first and foremost we're, because we're constantly dealing with other people's emotions about what happened to us. Right. So what I what I like is you you keep saying let it go move on you've got friends that were offended but you're not letting them impact how you feel or how you're oh, right. you're feeling about yourself because you're like it's done it's over with I've moved on we we say girl with long hair because that's what we were called when we were in the military I mean guy with long hair that's what we were <laughs> when we were in the military we were just dudes with long hair so you know the not letting other people's thoughts come in and keep you stuck is something that I picked up in what you said. You know, those people can be offended and be mad at your ex and never want to speak to him again. or And that's fine. That's their feelings and their emotions. But, you know, it doesn't disqualify you, who you are, what you were called to be, how great you are. And, and you know, it doesn't define anything else about you. It doesn't allow you to, um, I tell people, it's okay to park your boat there for a little bit, but don't build a mansion around it. 
Oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> so I love that analogy. You know, if you need to go, go to the gym, punch a couple of punching bags, do some kickboxing, whatever, get it out of your system, and then move on. And um, and too often we're hearing that these people are parking their boats and building a mansion and and they've now got land attached to this <laughs> this thing that has become a problem in their life and you know they'll never break the boundaries of that land because they're just they're too hung up in what has happened to them that they can't see the rest of the world out there that's there for them at the moment and look yeah. at you you're touching so many lives through the people that you serve you know, every time one of those speakers you work with goes out and speaks or does a podcast or does whatever it is that they're doing, that's one of your touch points. Every time they're um, writing a book and putting a book out, that's one of your touch points. It may not be your voice. It may not be your thing, but you've touched it, and it's a an extension of what you've done. And, and all because you didn't sit back and go, oh, well, he said I wasn't worth it or, you yeah. know. Yeah. You're you're doing it, or you know, you say the face for radio jokingly and all that that self-deprecating thing. But you've got a voice that needs to be heard and needs to be shared, and and it doesn't matter what means it gets out there. It doesn't matter exactly. what you look like; it needs to be heard, and you're not letting any of it stop you. So, right. good job. Right. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I think we need to embrace our own superpowers. Embrace your worth. Um, and, and unfortunately it does take some of us longer than others. And I would love to see, you know, women, younger women having that confidence from the get go. And uh, I think that's actually one of the things I'm probably most proud of is my daughter who, um, up until about a year and a half ago was bigger than I still had the most self-assured, amazing personality, you know, that just, uh, nothing stopped her. Right. And yet, you know, she was bigger than I. And I swear people are just getting mean, more mean and more mean or meaner and meaner. I don't know which is the correct way. But um, um, it, over the last year and a half, though, she has lost 140 pounds. Wow. So Way to yeah. go. Yeah. I mean, you know, because she is so determined and so sure of herself that when she finally made the decision, because she had had a couple of kids and wants to be there for them, right? Right. Um, she made that decision and stuck to it. But, but it wasn't based on just because her looks it was based on her health so um you know just just having the, your own power is important and you need to embrace that sounds like she's got some tenacity from her mama <laughs> yeah well i think so i think so <laughs> um we are we are very we are very similar people um you know we don't take a lot of um <laughs> stuff from people right <laughs> i i edited there too so. <laughs> um <laughs> but um yeah you know we are we, i i have raised some real self-assured women and i have an, an amazing son who um also has a very self-assured wife 
who um, he supports and they support each other. Uh, I think, you know, as, as you say, what are some of the, the victories? The victories are that all three of my kids are amazing adults who are happily married and um, their spouses are amazing. And what more can I ask? They're happy, you know, and they and they're giving me grandbabies. So it's all good. <laughs> And you're a grand, they're uh, done. Grammy. They're done. I'm so upset. I'm not going to have any more babies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, my my two grandkids just turned six this week. So oh. this weekend. So yeah. And I'm not called Grammy. Diva is my grandma name. So. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. it. I love it. I love it. So they they definitely call me Diva. So I love that. But um. Oh, I love it. So. In the middle of that, you know, what I love, what I kind of heard between the lines is, you know, your daughter with that transition and her outer appearance, um, you know, a lot of times people look at, you know, people that are overweight like myself and they think that they're not strong, that they're not self-assured. Now, we can walk in the room and prove them wrong, but first glance, oh, okay. they're, they're not going to think that right off the bat. And right. so um, one of the things that I've realized, even through my, my transformation of losing weight and, and still not near my goal weight yet, but in my transformation of losing weight is people do start looking at you differently. They do start thinking about you differently. And the thing is, is it's hard to explain that I never thought differently about myself. You just did. <laughs> right. And right. Exactly, exactly. And yet, it's, um, it's also important to, as long as you're healthy, right? Right. Um, to, to accept yourself. Right. Um, and so, so that, that to me is very important. Um, you know, one of the things that always irritated me is that fat slobs seem to go together, right? right. Well, you will never ever see me out in public not totally put together every you know there is and and you know dressed appropriately and you know it's just so I have that in and of myself is just like you may call me fat but you will never call me a slob right right because that's that's fine I'm a big gal too bad get over it um, this is me at this point, if I lost weight, it'd just be hanging skin. So I don't really care anymore. <laughs> it's like, no way. It's like, I, I, I'm healthy. And, you know, I'm not on any meds. I'm all good. So, right. so it's like, move on. Let's get on to the business. And I think I come across with a level of confidence that most people don't really, um, you know, stop and think, well, I don't want to work with her. She's fat. Right. Right. You know? Well, because I what's important is our brain exactly and it and it's one of those one of those comments somebody made the comment what was it about a year ago there was an event a friend of mine was on and they had only seen her headshots and if you look at her headshots you think she's fairly skinny you know very <laughs> always put too. together all of that right well then 
they invited her because they listened to her on a podcast how great she was and invited her to speak at an event and then they were it was a health and wellness event that she was speaking at <laughs> and she's got these amazing um clients all over the west coast and she's ran several multi-million dollar businesses and and all in the skincare business and um health and wellness business but she's not the model size she's not skinny she's not what everybody puts and when she showed up at the event they were offended because of her size and they started being ugly to her and oh my gosh and she was like wait a minute you listened to my podcast you heard the wealth of information i have and they're like yeah but the way you're you talk about on your podcast and what you're dealing with don't seem to match up. And she goes, show me where, and they couldn't show her where what she was saying didn't match up with what she had promoted. It just, they had a instant flip in their head as to what they had envisioned and what they had hoped to see. And of course, every other person up there looked like Ken and Barbie, you know, and I'm like, but this is real life. This is going to get the people that you want to help to get to Ken and Barbie status or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Well, and, and I mean, she's being real. How, yeah, exactly. And that, yeah, that's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And, and, um, and hopefully she stuck to her, you know, her principles. And oh, she told them she wouldn't. No, she, she told them she would not um, worry about speaking from their stage that day. She really didn't need to speak from their stage. She would just take her check and go home. Oh, good for her. <laughs> good for her. And they're like, well, if you're not speaking, wow. we don't want to, we're not going to pay you. And she goes, no, we have a contract. No. You can yeah. just pay me and I will leave. That way you don't have to be disgusted by my appearance. And they're like, we never used wow. the word disgusted. And she's like, but you did in a not so kind way, you know, and she, she was very firm. She's a businesswoman, So she is very good and strong and confident because they weren't seeing her the way she saw herself. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's, that's something that we have to be mindful of. We may think that we're, you know, strong and powerful and mighty, but we also realize that Maybe not everybody sees us the way we see ourselves. And sometimes we just have to remove ourselves from their presence because it'll right. never be and realized. It, exactly. But the other side can also be true. You could see a beautiful girl who you think has it all together. And she does not think at all highly of herself. Exactly. So, you know, it's like, so love thyself, right? Right. Love thyself. Well, and I and think I we're think, all in know, that. Whether you're gorgeous or not gorgeous or fat or skinny or purple or brown or whatever, <laughs> you're all beautiful because God made you that way. So well, that's the way I look at it. And and I do too. You know, it's one of those things that you, you look at it and you go, okay, I have been at the place where I believed the things people said negatively about me more so than than I should have. But... Then I evolved, and then I started realizing that as long as I keep harping on those negative things, I will never see the positive things. So then I started shifting my thought process, and and 
there'll still be days I'll go and Angie Lee Monroe, what were you thinking? You know, <laughs> and I give myself that talk or, you know, come on girl, get it together. <laughs> you know, um, my husband and I were talking, I've had a couple of little, um, memory things here lately that I'm just like, okay, what in the world is going on with me? And, you know, it may, it starts to make you think, okay, well, I've just not got it together. I'm just not this. I'm just not that. But really what it is, is you're not taking time to put margin in to allow room to breathe is what it is. And so, um, in doing that, I had to be hold myself a little more accountable to how much I was putting on my plate, how much I was expecting of others, how much I was expecting of myself. And um, I'm, I'm just going to lead into our next little segment because what I know about you is when it comes to helping people reach their professional goals, you're a great accountability partner. I mean, you are the way you phrase things is you phrase things to set people up for success. So uh, you were working on a project for me last summer and you're like, okay, I'm going to get this to you by such and such time. How much time do you need to review it so we can set up a call? It was, mm-hmm. So there wasn't just a deadline on you. There was a deadline on me as well. You know? yeah. and, and many people seem to blur the line between politeness and accountability. So, you know, I've told the story before my friend that never really wanted to hold me accountable for working out in the gym because she didn't want to be held accountable for working out in the gym. But when we were in the office space together, she was phenomenal at it. I've had people I've given permission to to speak into my life and say, you know, hold me accountable for doing things on certain dates and times and be consistent. But then they don't because they know that I'm a strong individual person and I know that I know I should be doing it. But just because I know I should go to the gym and eat healthy every day doesn't mean that I necessarily do. And I've given permission (laughs) to somebody to speak into my life to hold me accountable in those areas and they don't because they're afraid it's not polite to speak into that, Mm. then we have a problem. So, yeah, well with, yeah, with my clients, it really is, that's what they've asked me to do. And I'm not only holding them accountable, but I'm making the business accountable. Um, And as I told you earlier, you know, mentoring has really been my passion. And I think my clients all know that if I call them on something or if I tell them, you know, you really should think about this, um, you know, going forward, they know it comes from a place of love and a place of trying to make them better. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I've ever really gotten, you know, negative, negative with anyone. Um, but, you know, I will, I will say, wait, stop. You, we need to look at this. Right. And I think they know that that when I push back or when I hold them accountable, it's only for their own good. Uh, Yeah. And 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 that's one of the things that people don't realize is if you're asking somebody to hold you accountable or you're holding somebody accountable, you've been given a treasure in that moment. You've been given Mm -hmm. insight. You've been given authority. You've been given, you know. I get tickled at people going, well, I just want to be an authority figure or I just want to have a voice into this area. And so, you know, I'll test out with people. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to give you permission to challenge me in this area. And then they don't. Brilliant. And then they don't. Uh, 
And I mean, the ones that do are awesome at it at all times, you know, and then I'll go, I'll, I'll kind of push back with them on in a joking way of, well, this was a test. It was only a test. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, they're like, nope, not buy it. You know, I'll have some, they'll go, nope, not buying it. I re- if you, you wouldn't have come up with that thought if you really didn't want to do it or, you know, so they'll, they'll push back. And then there's the ones that, you know, you tell them to challenge you in an area and they just never hear from them again. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So you just, so you sit there and you go, okay, got it, move on. Move right. on to another accountability partner. Um, I think we've all kind of been in masterminds and, and, and whatnot. And I still to this day have a number of masterminds that I'm involved in in an effort to learn more and have myself grow as well as helping my other um, mastermind attendees. So, um, yeah, going forward, it's not only just the accountability function, but that have you thought about type function, right. you know, to, to give you another aspect that you may never have even looked at. And so I'm a big believer in the whole mastermind system. Well, Whenever you're um, looking at your accountability partners, whether you're being the accountability partner or you're you're looking for somebody to be an accountability partner, um, yeah, what are some of the boundaries that you look for with accountability partners? Do you set up phone calls? Do you set up uh, appointments with them? You know, what does having an accountability partner in your life look like? Yeah, um, well, I have mentors which are those that are, are ahead of me in the business game, that um, I, I tend to think that, you know, that we are such a virtual world. Um, m- my meetings with them are usually Zoom meetings mm-hmm. um, so that I get that one-on-one. I can see what's landing and what's not. Um, and or, you know, we can have a real, you know, face-to-face, this is what's happening, what do I do now kind of thing. Um, because I will, I'll be the first to admit, I don't know everything about everything. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, am, I, am, I am not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. So I believe in listening to everyone. And although there are times when I can be a bit of an intellectual snob, and I really am trying to work on that, um, I have learned in my life that I can learn from anybody. And we need to take people's feedback and live in it for a sec and either, okay, I see where she's coming from, you know, and, and go with it or not. Yeah. And just as I tell my clients, well, here's what I think you should do, but it is still your voice, your message, your social media, whatever. It's still up to you. So um, here's what I think, but, you know. It is still you that is out there, and it's your presence. So, um, well, I think but yeah, I, I'm in a number of masterminds. I think I have the. I think I know the answer you're going to give to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway because I think the question needs to be asked and answered um, in a more in-your-face way. But when you have people that come to you, and we'll just use me as an example. Say I come to you, and I'm needing you to hold me accountable in these areas. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not pulling my weight in that relationship. 
and but you can see so much more potential for me than I'm really giving towards the effort that I'm asking you to hold me accountable for. So my question to you is this. Do you keep pushing them and challenging them or do you find a way to basically tell them or tell yourself to let it go until they're ready to come to that realization? Oh yeah, I'll have I'll sort of have a come to Jesus with them, but if they still aren't getting it, uh, I'll say, you know what? I'm here whenever you're ready to go, to level up or to scale your business or whatever it may be. I'm here when you're when you're ready. But I cannot be the one that cares the most about getting you to the next level. Right. It it you have to have that burning desire, you know, um, to actually make it come to fruition. If you are not passionate and have that burning desire, it's not going to work anyway. Right. Even if I have the burning desire, right? Right. You have to have it. So um, I usually, you know, I do let it go in a way, but I let them know why. Because you're, you don't seem to be ready. Now, I just had something pop in my head, you know, and it's, it's a wondering question. So I'm just going to put it out there for those that are listening and um, those that are listening either live or to the to the recording, you know, I want to ask myself this question and then also ask the audience, are those that, uh, let me figure out how we're going to phrase it, those that are asking for you to hold them accountable and are not giving back the full weight of what she is. So, so you, so let's just say I expect more from Susie Q out here than she's actually giving, and I'm wanting it more for her, and I'm desiring it more for her. Is Susie Q or me, Susie Q, having negative thoughts about herself so much so that she can't see the person that is seeing so much potential in her? Are the negative thoughts that she's having about herself outweighing all the positive that I'm trying to flood her with? So, say, using the example with you and me, you know, you're, I can't care about this. Be the one that cares the most for your success. Because I can see the potential. I can see the beauty. I can see where you can go with this. I can see the lives that are impacted. I can see all that you can accomplish but if you can't see it, then the words I'm saying, the, the time I'm putting in, the energy I'm throwing your way is falling on deaf ears until you remove those toxic earplugs from your ears. So how many people out there are pushing away those that are speaking positive into their life because they've got toxic earplugs in? Mm. So... It just kind of popped in my head as to, I think there's been many times in my life where people have been telling me positive truths, encouraging truths that I haven't been able to hear because the toxic recording that was still stuck in my head from, as long mm -hmm. as you sound like a hick, you'll never amount to anything. Or, you know, you're just a girl. Why does that matter? Or, you know, this is this is a man's world or, you know, whatever it was that it was against me at one point, those still at times, depending on how tired I am, will pop up to be louder than the, the voices of positivity that come in. And, 
you know, I just wonder how many out there that are listening still deal with that. If there are positive people, they just can't hear them or see them because they've, they're still so focused on that toxic verbiage yeah. that's been playing for so, so long. Yeah, yeah. I don't face that as much because of the fact that what I'm working with is someone who wants to put their message out. So they've already come to certain conclusions. They may still have that imposter syndrome periodically. Right. But they they see that they have something that they want to put out there to the world. So I don't face that as much as, um, and I won't say even laziness, but just that they don't know how to focus and prioritize. And especially with a lot of creatives, right. you know, that they they have these great ideas, these big ideas, but they don't know how to bring it to fruition. But they also think, but this is my thing. Why should I listen to you? Right? Right. Um, because <laughs> because <laughs> I've been there and I've done it. And, and you know, but if they're not ready to listen, right. that's okay with me. Um, as I say, I'll be there when you're ready. Wow. Okay. So, um yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about our sisterhood. You said 90% of, about 90% of your clients are women. And, mm-hmm. you know, what are some of the women that you get to work with that you admire and maybe we should get to know? You know, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do some shout outs to some women that maybe aren't everyday names that maybe we mm-hmm. should get to know a little bit about. And what is it that oh, about yeah. them that you admire? Oh my gosh! You know, I, I admire like I like I said, pretty much all my clients. Um, I'm working with a, a new speaker by the name of Trisha Manning, and her book is um, "Lead, Lead with Your Heart and Leave a Legacy." Wow! And uh, oh, and she's so good; she'd be great for your show. Um, awesome. So, not only am I putting out that that um, shout out for her, but that would be a great connect for the two of you because. She has an amazing story of being in corporate America, and they had an executive health thing, mm-hmm. and so all the execs had to go have a health check thing, and she ended up having to have open-heart surgery. So it totally changed her, you know, priorities and everything like that. And, but, but she had this, this group that she was out of work for, you know, months, but her team kept things totally um, on point and ready to go because she had led with her heart. They cared about making sure that everything ran smoothly in her absence Wow! because she had created that kind of team. I mean, truly the meaning of team and they picked up the slack. You know, she's a, she's a great, um, a, a great story and somebody that I look up to. I work with, um, this wonderful woman, Julie Winkle Giulioni, who is um, in that area of uh, career development. And um, she is the most lovely soul. And she was actually my very first client. She found out that I was laid off on December 8th. We had lunch on December 11th, and I was hired. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, immediately. You know, and, and she was not in a position to hire me full time. Right. And and that actually is what 
allowed me to grow this business and have many more clients and be able to hire other people to help me and to actually scale my business. Um, lovely human being and, um, and a great message. Also, with regards to having the conversations, you know, don't wait for the yearly IDP, you know, and if right. you're in corporate America, you know that that's the individual development plan. Right. Um, have the conversations continuously, like when they finish a project, you know. Um, what did you love about that project? What did you hate? You know, so that she can know that that a manager can understand what their their you know, strong points are, what their weak points are. And, and I think we need to really start focusing on our strengths instead right. of our weaknesses, right? Right. Let's focus on our strengths. Um, I have um, another client, Sally Helgeson, who is the premier speaker of women's leadership. Um, an amazing, lovely woman as well. And, um, and she's been in the business for like 35 years. Wow. Talking about women leadership for 35 years she's a thought leader in that you know arena so getting to see um the rise of women and we still have a long way to go but i mean the difference between 35 years ago and now is night and day right so i mean those are some of my clients that i just you know and and i i love all my clients to be real honest with you um, I think that's actually kind of part of my my vetting <laughs> when I take on a new client. It's just like how amazing um, are they and what type of person they are. Well, you know, we were talking yesterday. My husband was watching some movie, you know, a, it was a submarine movie, Navy submarine movie. And we were talking. They were getting ready to put the Mystic, which is like a a smaller submarine that shoots off of a submarine and can attach to another submarine, you know, and all this is all (laughs) underwater. And I'm like, you know, that is, I was in the Navy. I was aviation. I was never on a ship. My husband was in the Navy. He was a CB. He was never on a ship. And, you know, being on a ship wouldn't have bothered me. But being in a submarine, I looked at my husband, I'm like, I'm really glad that was a male-only billet back in the 30 years ago whenever I was there because I would not have wanted to be, you know, on that submarine at all. You know, it just, I don't, I'm not a claustrophobic type person, but that right there would, would get to me. So 30, 30 years ago, you know, we were talking about, you know, fighter pilots and Top Gun was out and... All the fighter pilots were guys back then in the movie. There were no female fighter pilots out there, you know. And so there has been a large shift on the demographics of what's going out. And, you know, that's one of the things we talk about here is we can be strong. We can be powerful. We can be confident. We can have our voices heard. But we're not in any way saying we need to diminish the voices of the men around us. What we're saying is... We we just have a voice. We we are here, and you know I think that's that's a beautiful thing. Is some of the uh, I've heard of a couple of of your clients before talk, and and I know that they are 
not male bashing people. They are all about, oh, no. you know, just spread out and give us, give, share the space with us, so to speak. <laughs> and, and, exactly. And my friend, my friend, um, Courtney Baker, she is one of those as well that uh, Dr. Courtney Baker is one that has written her dissertation on the imposter syndrome. And she mm. has a podcast as well, and and she's a fabulous woman, and was you know has been one of the top business women in the state of Texas for uh, over the last couple of years, and just you know as we work with these women, they're doing doing amazing things now. We can look back over generations of women that have paved the way for us, and and okay. that's what I love. So I'm, I guess I'm always asking is how am I serving the women of the next generation by what I'm doing today? And, and that's a powerful thing to ask. So I'm going to ask you, what are you doing today? I think you've kind of touched on it several times through the interview, but what are you doing today to serve others and maybe serve the legacy of women for the next generation coming up, your daughters, your granddaughters? Um, yeah, I mean, on a personal level, just um, raising smart and, and I, w I don't even want to say powerful, but confident women that, you know, um, n my girls would not, you know, have husbands that are, are demeaning in any way, shape or form. Um, I, I love my son-in-laws. They are just so amazing and loving to my daughters. So that's, you know, that's hugely important. But I think um, what, what um, I would like to see is just women embracing other women. I mean, we hear in the workforce that sometimes women are the worst bosses to other women. <laughs> yes. You know, I think we need to, I think we need to raise each other up. Um, so, so that, that we can all grow. And I think that that's what I try to do for my clients is to, is to not only raise their vis visibility within social media and their businesses, but to raise them up, right? Right. So that they can rise up others, um, and, and, um, spread their message and, um, I'm not sure if that's in, uh, enough of an answer, but that's kind of, you know, where I go from. If uh, I believe in empowering each other. I, I And I believe that's a great answer for it. You know, a lot of the times we get stuck sitting back waiting for somebody to tell us how to help them. But if we already know what we're strong and confident in and, and can walk boldly in, then let's serve people out of our strengths. Let's not sit back and wait for them to tell us, you know, what they need help in. Let's find a way to, to continue to, to serve and what we're good at by, by reaching out. Um, you know, well, yeah. yeah, especially in this gig economy. We have, we're turning into a gig environment, and so we can all just embrace our superpowers. The heck with the weaknesses. Well, at least with regards to business, right? Go with your superpowers and put yourself out there on a gig by gig basis, and do what you absolutely love to do, right? Right. And and charge what you are worth. <laughs> exactly. And that's actually one of the things that women don't do that men do much better. Right. Is they charge 
what we're worth. And, and I'm working on that myself, you know, and, um, uh, we don't want to put our own budgetary constraints on possible clients. What are you worth? You know what you're worth. And if you look out there and do your research and see what other people are charging, I am still so low on, <laughs> on the level of what I charge. And yet, um, I still want to keep it at the level I'm at because of the fact I can help more people. Right. Well, and it's it's another way that you're niching what you're doing, too, is yeah. you're able to serve the people right where they're at, but you're you can also be selective on who you're who you're willing to work with too. You don't have to just take everybody. And I think that's Isn't that that nice. That's yes, the is. nice thing about <laughs> being the boss. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It is. I and I have actually fired a couple of clients. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I just said, you know, this isn't working. Well, you know, we're we're coming close to the end of the show. So I wanted to give you an opportunity. Maybe our audience needs what you have to offer or they have a great resource for you. So if you've got some projects that you're needing some research on, um, needing some information on, or you need to connect with a certain type of person, or maybe you have a service out that your services that you, you offer, you want to talk a little bit about what they are, um, just kind of share that and how they can get in touch with you. Sure. Well, you can get in touch with me by just going to my website, which is www.lvsconsultingservices.com. I'm actually working with a wonderful lady in Texas right now on a collaborative book in the area of sustainability, and we are looking for other authors for that book. So if you are in that field and feel like you have a message to share, reach out to me. Um, you know, I, um, but I, I, I am actually spending most of my time just, you know, working with my clients, um, and, and, and making sure that they raise their visibility. If you want to follow me on, on some of the, um, platforms out there, cause it's all about social media, <laughs> um, feel free to reach out and friend request me or, um, do a connection request. I'm happy to, to, um, learn more about you all right and so for that collaborative book that you're doing are you spearheading that for her and kind of doing all the behind the scenes it's her yeah, idea i'm but the you're... project manager i will be doing all the editing and proofing and and getting it i'm the liaison between the authors and the publisher awesome and um and so making that all happen but that's happening now so if they're if they're interested and they have a great message with regards to sustainability or recycling, um, being green in any water conservation, those kind of um, um, areas, reach out to me for sure. All right. Well, thank you, Lorianne, for coming on the show today. And again, you can visit her website, www.lvsconsultingservices. That's L is in Lorianne, V is in Vaughn, S is in Speaks consultingservices.com and like she said she's on facebook twitter linkedin pinterest instagram she is a high-tech grammy <laughs> and yeah who knew who knew <laughs> and maybe you have a book that you want to put together that's a collaborative effort or get published or or you're looking at 
um, how to present yourself as a podcast speaker, different things like that, at least have the conversation with Lorianne. Go to her website, visit with her, get to know her. She is a fabulous lady, as you can tell. She's got a genuine heart. So, um, again, thank you for coming on the show today, Lorianne. And uh, if you... uh, reach out if anybody reaches out to you i would love to hear back just to be able to follow their success as they work side by side with you so perfect i will more than i will i will be happy to do that all right well just as a reminder i will be hosting a leading moment this thursday from 10 a.m to noon central standard time right here on fishbowl radio network and until next week thank you for joining us here on warrior divas Go out there and be the warrior diva you were created to be and make an impact. Hey, this is Angie Lee Monroe of A Leading Moment Show, broadcasting live each Thursday, 10 a.m. Central from the Globe Life Park in Arlington, Texas. Log in to hear amazing people share their stories of resiliency in business and life. Hear how their leading moment can inspire your leading moment. Log in each Thursday, 10 a.m. Central on Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in.